Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by the Simpsons Best Moments Facebook page and NoHomers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. This is a bonus Christmas special episode. Merry Christmas to one and all. I'm looking at my script. Clean. Clean slate. Clean we have slate. No idea what we're going to talk about, except the fact that we're going to spoil Star Wars. For we everybody. will be definitely talking about Star Wars. But we're not going to. We're going to tell you exactly when we're going to. We'll save it to the end. It's maybe. going to be the end of the episode. So Star Wars came out on what the 18th, 19th, 16th. Well, it was Wednesday night. It was the 16th, but it was at midnight. So it was 12:01 on the 17th, and we got it like a, two days before Americans, which blew my mind. Yeah, that's well, and England got it a couple of days before us, I think. No, 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 no. They got it after us. Oh, yeah, did they? Was yeah, there somewhere that got it before yeah, us? Yeah, Fra- France got it before us, I think. I think somewhere in Asia, I think, possibly. Okay. But yeah, we were one of the first people in the world to watch it, which I couldn't believe it. I know they did a special world premiere, I think it was on Monday night in America, but it was just celebrities only, and they had to like, yeah. sign, sign an agreement to say they're not Non-disclosure gonna, agreement. Yeah, yeah yep. exactly. But so we're going to save that. That'll be the end of the podcast. Yeah. So if you've seen Star Wars, you can listen to that. If you haven't seen Star Wars and you don't care about spoilers, you can still listen to that. If you haven't seen Star Wars and you're going to get pissy if we spoil it for you, we're going to give you a very clear warning of when to stop listening to the recording. You can then go watch Star Wars. You can then come back and listen to the rest of it. I just got an idea. Why didn't we do our favourite Simpsons Christmas episodes? Yeah, because it's too late. Because we, we thought because this was just let's, let, let's just off the top of your head. What is your favourite uh, favourite Christmas episode? The the first one's great. Uh, the first one is great, but uh. uh but the shoplifter. Marge Be Not Proud. Yeah, okay. Marge Be Not Proud is yeah, my favourite. That- I love that Christmas photo getting yanked away and then how he just replace- take- goes out and buys his own photo yeah. and replaces. That's such a fucking sweet oh. moment from Bart. Like, it's a genuinely nice thing. That it's Yeah, I-, I really love that. You can't watch that and not just feel all funny inside. Yeah, no, you, you well up a little bit. Yeah. Like, you-, you really get into Marge's head there. And for one of the first times, Bart sees something from someone else's perspective and knows how to make it right. Because she has that moment where she's like, oh my God, you went back and, and is so convinced. Like, what are you hiding under your jacket? I can't believe you've done this again. And then it's that. I, another one that always sticks with me is when Bart accidentally burns down the Christmas tree. Yep. And, and everyone shows up and donates the presents and that sort of and stuff. And Homer's response on the news when they find out is like, that's all fake. That's all a lie. But the rest is true. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, that's a great episode. But yeah, Marge, be not proud. I think that's for most Simpsons fans would have to be everyone's favorite. It's got the Lee Carvello's putting challenge, putting challenge, and Bone Storm. Yeah, it's just it's a great episode. It but, is. Um, so, what are your plans for Christmas, man? Uh, well, I generally on Christmas Day it's very busy because I come from families of divorce. So okay. it'll be see my mother's side, like my mother and that side of the family in the morning. We then go to see Ash's mum's side of the family just before lunch. Do you do opening presents under the tree with a particular side of the family? Uh, no, it's just kind of load the boot up and drop things off at different areas. Okay. Um, it depends. Like last year we did, we had everyone around at our place for breakfast, um, yep. which was really nice. It was the first time that I've ever had people in my house for Christmas. I've always gone elsewhere. Uh, so that was cool. Um, but I don't, I think mum had already made breakfast plans this year, so I can't do that again. Uh, we'll definitely do opening presents with Murphy. I've already put a present under the tree for him. Just got a stocking. The cat got one this year as well. I uh, last year I wrapped up a bone um, and okay. gave it to him. An actual bone. Yeah, I just went yeah. out and bought a bone and wrapped it up, so he would have like just his own scent would make him wrap it up. So I yeah. got some really cool photos of that from last year. Yeah, we've got Jet a stuffed squeaky Pumba doll. Nice. 
Because we call him Jetty Pumper. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so then the afternoon we'll catch up with uh, Ash's dad's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. Um, more often than not, I'm in bed pretty early because uh, the greatest Christmas tradition in the world uh, in Victor- uh, occurs in Victoria, which is the Boxing Day Test match, yeah. uh, which I haven't missed since I was about 12, I believe. So You go to it every year, yeah? Every year. Because I, I think I've seen photos of you and Ash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One year I was in Queensland, but outside of that, I've been to it every every Boxing Never Day Never been test. to one. I've always really wanted to go. But, the, but They're the, great. The way my family works is we do my dad's side on Christmas Day, my mum's side on Boxing Day. Oh, okay. So that's always... Never have the time to. Yeah. Well, come to like day two or three or something. Do you go every day, do you? Uh, I, it depends on if I've got all the all days off work, but well, I'll be able to go to the first three days of this year. The other thing that's hard for me now is being married to Nicola and she has relatives come over from England. That's true. It's hard to get away. It's hard it? to get away. Well, it's rude to get away. Yeah. It's not that I want to get away. I want to be with her family, but it's Nicola plans a lot of trips because yep. she tries to cram as much in as she can while she's got her family here. Yep. I mean, Nicola hasn't seen her mum and dad for two years. Yep. They arrive tomorrow morning. You can understand how Nicola she is. plans a lot of things in general. You guys yeah. seem to be very busy. She's uh, a yeah. very active woman. Yeah, she likes well, she, she likes to socialise with people. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, not knocking it in any way, shape or form. But, yeah. That's but so my, my there's cri- always a breakfast. There's always a dinner. There's yeah. always something. My Christmas breaks. I said to Nicola, I said, it's going to be a couple of times this year where you're going to plan something and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm staying home. Yeah. <laughs> you can go with your mum and dad. I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. Speaking of Nicola's family, uh, I met uh, her cousin. Um, what, James. James. Yeah, yeah Jim. Um, I'm not sure if he's listening. We were talking about the podcast and he said that he might check one out. Maybe we should just send this one to him. Yeah. Really, really great guy uh, who I believe has left now. Yeah, he left last Tuesday. Yeah, but yeah. a shout out to James just for... He just shouted all of my friends, all of our friends, a pint. Yeah. I was like, you're a madman. Yeah. <laughs> like I, seven people, like $10 I, a hit. I fixed him back up later. I did, you? Okay. Yeah. I didn't. When uh, <laughs> when things got a little bit loose at the pool lounge, uh, oh, pool yeah. lounge uh, at one point I was virtually leaning... Uh, I'd pretty much jumped over the bar and was explaining how to make the white Russian that I wanted. Oh, really? And I was like... I, put my finger on a glass I'm like up to here with Kahlua and then I did that and then I moved it up I'm like now fill up to here with vodka please and then I'm like and just a dash of milk start me up while the stones came on and Mitch started doing his Mick Jagger dance oh yeah <laughs> I forgot that did that look any good it was it looked like the chicken dance mix with Mick Jagger <laughs> pretty much all it is. Yeah. It was like, you know when the Simpsons go, I want my chicken tonight. <laughs> it was that. But it was good though. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you had like the, the Elvis legs going at the same time. Yeah. Well, it was a great moment because there'd been so much R&B and hip hop being played, which doesn't work in a pool hall. Like you're not trying to get a dance floor started. You oh, just want good I think of that crowd music. they are though. Yeah, I guess the crowd is there. But I, for me, I, at a pool hall, I either want low, classy jazz yeah. like there's one that i went to up in up to in melbourne that had it, it felt like a real new york kind of lighting it was really darkly lit there's a green tinge there was just this level despite the fact that no one was smoking there was this level of smoke permanently in the roof just smoke, there was smoke machines <laughs> off in the corner there's a guy that big fat guy wearing a suit shrouded in darkness and he was he like owned the place kingpin yeah. kingpin of the mob or something and it was just this sultry music it was the coolest place or you just want good pub music. Yeah. So when Jacker came on, or I think at one point Bowie came you, on later in you, the night as well. You said, I wish this place would play the Dylan or the Stones. And yeah. then it had the Rolling Stones covering like a Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they played the Stones <laughs> covering Dylan. Can't get better. Yeah, it was exactly what you wanted. It was a good night though, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was a great night, yeah. Yeah. The basic gist of this podcast is... A lot of people, when you listen to podcasts, they generally take a break over Christmas or all your favorite shows take a break. And so, once you've done seeing the family, and for a lot of people, Christmas Day 
probably only boils down to two or three hours. There's really fuck all else to do on the day. Once yeah. you've seen everyone, then everything it's just a day where everything's closed. It's, it's like just get out of my house. I want yeah. to play with my new toys. <laughs> what I always loved was watching the panel Christmas wrap on Christmas You've night. mentioned this, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to throw this episode out for you guys to be able to listen to on Christmas Day and just, you know, if you've got nothing else on, you got a couple guys in it's your just, ears. It's just something. Exactly. It's, look, it's, we're going to slip in Simpsons-related stuff into here, like we have already. No doubt, just because that's the way our conversations work. <laughs> yeah, just the way, that's all we have in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just going to be us shooting the shit talking about Christmas. Mm. Like, what do you love most about Christmas? We've glazed over this before, but I love just seeing family that all together you don't normally see together. Like, very rarely do families all get together in one big group. Yeah. Maybe an important birthday or something like that. But yeah, I just love the morning of waking up and my nan would always come down. She used to live down the road and... It's just, you'd always wait till Nan gets there and you want to open the presents, but you're like, oh, I've got to wait till Nan gets here. And then my uncle would come over and it was just, it's that real family bonding moment. You know, I just love it. I like, uh, the older I get, the more I like giving things to other people. Uh, and yeah. I guess the more financially secure I am, the more I like giving you things to You gave me a BB-8 people. cup. I did give you a BB-8 <laughs> cup. And then I gave Nicholas some stuff that she can cook you tasty treats with. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I really like the anticipation of Christmas. So Christmas Eve, I almost like more than Christmas Day and Boxing Day, I almost like more than Christmas Day. But, Overall, I think I just like the fact that everyone's chilled out on Christmas. Apart from, you know, there's always one family member that gets a bit drunk and a bit shouty. But for the just most streaming. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, I just like the whole world kind of is nice and it's this is pie in the sky kind of sentimental bullshit, but I just if everyone just treated every day like it was Christmas day, how much happier would everyone be? I think we we're discussing this last night at my work breakup. It's just you have arguments at work and there's people you don't like at work, but when it comes to Christmas time, you're like you just put all your differences aside yeah. and you say have a good Christmas, I'll see you next yeah. year. Well, the other the, our last podcast we were talking about Tim mentions white wine in the sun. The other Christmas song that I played that I really like is Maybe This Christmas. Now, I don't know oh, who yeah. wrote that originally, yeah. but there's a cover of it on YouTube by Tim Friedman. Yeah, good. Maybe This Christmas will mean something more. Maybe this year Love will appear deeper than ever before. Maybe forgiveness will ask us to call someone we love, someone we've lost for reasons we can't quite recall. As it is one of those great days where you just go, oh, shit, why were we even angry? It doesn't matter. Have a beer. Yeah. I also told Mitch, because Mitch's uh, Christmas present hasn't arrived yet, but I've told him what I've got him. I got him a Bill Murray Looney Tunes Tune Squad Space Jam top. fucking excited to wear it. <laughs> I really can't wait. I, it said 21 days and that was about two weeks ago. Yeah. So, I, it might be in here in time for Christmas. I don't know. You... Just wait for the day that I come over unannounced. And it could be at any time of night. <laughs> I'm going to kick the door down and just give it the... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm going through them. I'll get him a Tune Squad one. And it's like Bugs, Jordan. I'm like, oh, well, you want Bugs or we want Jordan? I skipped through. It's like Murray. I was like, oh, good God. <laughs> I can get a Bill Murray one. You made the right choice, yeah. sir. Because <laughs> Nicola goes, wouldn't you want a Michael Jordan one? I'm like, trust me. He wants a Bill Murray shirt. Yeah. And every day of the week, I would take Bill Murray over Michael Jordan. <laughs> If we were playing one-on-one, like if you're playing school basketball and you've got everyone lined up against the wall and you're the captain, so like you pick, then I pick, you pick, then I pick, my first pick is Bill Murray. Yeah. You can have Michael Jordan. I don't care if we lose by 50 points. <laughs> I'm having Bill Murray. <laughs> now, before we get into the Star Wars review, let's have a little bit of a reflection on the past six months. <laughs> Sorry. I just just quickly, I did yeah. share the uh, Bill Murray's best, like his lines from Space Jam. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I love the, um, okay, here's the game plan. You kick it into the guy bunny. You pass it out to the girl bunny. Like, whoa, we're on defense. Whoa, whoa, I don't do defense. You're going to have to listen to Michael on this one, guys. <laughs> you like the one at the end, too, don't you? Yeah, he's, uh, Larry, that could have been me. Let's go, balls. Yeah. I know how he gets all choked up. <laughs> he's great. Early, when they're playing golf, his insistence that the only reason Michael thinks he can't play in the NBA is because he's white. And it's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Larry's white. Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Alrighty, so the past six months, four finger discount. When we first started this podcast, what did you expect? I expected to maybe have a hundred listeners. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I was like, well, if we have two, three hundred listeners, I then that's probably going to be realistic. Like, yeah. we're not names; we're just people. Yeah. Um, maybe if we get lucky, we'll be shared on a more popular podcast. Someone might say, hey, listen to these guys. Now, that hasn't happened, but we still have much more listeners than I ever thought we were going oh, to. Oh, well, since it's the best moment, share us. But I mean, like, actual podcast episodes. Oh, so, podcast, like, yeah, You know, yeah. like Mark Marin, for example. Like, yeah. that's obviously other the top podcast. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, another yeah. podcast saying, hey, check these guys out. Yeah. Or, um, I, I didn't think without either something like that or getting onto new and noteworthy that we would really be very popular. I mean, in the scheme of things, I don't know if we are very popular, but we're certainly at a much higher level, much faster than I thought we were going to be. Remember when we were excited to have a thousand likes? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. No, it, it's, and I mean, thank you to everyone that's listening to this right now. Uh, it really means a lot to us that, that this little thing has worked to an extent. Yeah. Know, um, certainly not done by any stretch and there's a long way to go, but it's, it's been a really good six months. My goal, I said to Nicola, in the first year was to have a thousand likes on Facebook and have 500 listeners. I said, if we can get 500 listeners each week by the end of the year, I'd be stoked. Yeah. Much more than that. Yeah. No, it's it's very, very cool. Like, I don't... The only thing for me, I, I try not to think too much about the numbers, particularly because it's, it's so fluid. And I mean, in a podcast world, you talk about this, but someone might listen to this in a year's time and who knows, we could be the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. Probably not going to happen, but you know. Yeah. It's just been phenomenal how much people care, not only just about the show, but about us in general. Like, what I've really enjoyed is is how much people are giving feedback of, yeah, they like the way we talk about the show, but they also like the other bullshit that we talk about in between. I think they like that we're willing to open up and just reveal very embarrassing shit about our lives. Yeah, like the time I abused a blind man in a coffee shop. Or, or that time you got your cock out and got free donuts. Or oh. donuts. <laughs> <laughs> it always t- comes back to that. Or that time you tried to jump, jump a rail and impress a girl. Yeah, that's... And you face uh, Yeah, all these fun, <laughs> fun stories. What, what embarrassing stories have I told? There'll be plenty more. I haven't told the time that Tom nearly got arrested for urinating in public after seeing a Tom Jones concert. It was brilliant. We were in Melbourne. It was... 2014 was when Tom Jones was playing at the AFL Grand Final, yeah. And he was doing a concert on the Wednesday or Thursday before the Grand Final. We're like, this will be brilliant. Like, we're going to be the youngest people there by 40 years. Let's go. Now, firstly, Tom Jones blew us away. I I think you can find this on the internet. He is a sex bomb. He is a sex bomb. Why, why, Delilah? Playing Delilah was incredible. Green, green grass of home was really nice. But you know what? You go to see a Tom Jones concert. He's using the same patter that he's been using for the last 20 years in between songs. But yeah. you still eat it up. It yeah. doesn't matter. That's um, what you expect. That's what you pay money for. Yeah. <laughs> There's one moment where he was talking about... I, I can't remember what the song he was introducing, but he was saying how he used to really like playing this one with Elvis Presley. He's like, you know, like back in the day in Vegas, Elvis and I would stay out partying until all hours of the night. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've just given the fucking king a little drive-by yeah. clip. <laughs> Hilarious. But uh, what he opened the concert with, though, was a cover of Leonard Cohen Tower of Song. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. Yeah. I'm sure that I have seen this on YouTube that you can find. Type Tom Jones Tower of Song. It's like, it's so unlike Tom Jones. He gets really gravelly and really kind of internal with the way he sings it. It's it's amazing. It was was really, really cool. What's the biggest concert you've been to that you felt like out of... Not out of character, but you didn't feel like you fit in with the rest of the crowd. Mine was, I went, I got a ticket given to me. I thought, why the fuck not went to a share concert and the village people were opening? <laughs> it was fucking great. 
Oh. The, the share concert was shit because she just mimed the whole time. Yeah. But the village people, man, they came out did like, you just, body, body. Did you, feel my body. It's great. Did you just feel uncomfortable being the only gay man there? <laughs> um, that's, there was, that would have been so good. I would have gone to watch that I was concert. Just the, the, I think it was only three or four of the original village people. It wasn't all of that's them. That's all you need. But it was just, everybody wants to be a macho, macho, macho I like, man. I do. <laughs> it was fucking great. And I've... I'm unashamedly love those songs. Oh man, YMCA, it's fucking yeah. awesome. If you could switch off that part of your brain that gets self-conscious about things and just oh. enjoy them for what they are, Macho Man, it's such a party, party. Yeah. Oh, I loved it, man. It was fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's exactly how they came out. It was just the doo doo doo, and then they sort of. I also, as they came in. I also love when you're in the crowd watching how many people fuck up YMCA and do the <laughs> C backwards. <laughs> The, the the thing was when I was watching the share concert, I was like, "That's okay." Like, I don't really know many share songs. There was all these dudes. Like, the entire four section was just dudes dressed as sailors. <laughs> it was fucking it's weird, brilliant. man. They just come off the Queen Mary or yeah. in town. I really in actually, you know what I don't like about the Village People? The amount of people that only sing YMCA, yeah. and only sing the chorus, yeah, because that's a great song the oh, whole yeah. way through it. Young man, there's no need to feel down. Young yeah. man, pick yourself off the ground. It's an uplifting song. Yeah, I didn't know a place you can go, you can stay there. Uh, and they can show you many ways to have a good time. Bim, bim. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but yeah, so if, you, if you're listening to that, if you're going to do the YMCA, go to the effort of learning the rest of it. It needs to look backwards to you when you're doing it. Yeah. So it looks proper to the you person in front of you. Yeah, exactly. You have to mirror yeah. what you're doing with the C. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my experience at the Share That's cool. for the yeah. concert. Now, Tom, <laughs> Tom Jones was definitely the most out of touch that I've been with everyone else around me. Uh, maybe Buble. I don't know that there were many other 26-year-old men in the Michael Buble audience. So I, I get sick of his songs in the sense that they just sound too similar. Recorded, probably, but I think live... Yeah, it, it, like I, I think it's something about the production value of his CDs uh, or the way they're produced. They come out very similar. But he was fantastic to see live. Really, really good. Uh, there was one moment. We were at Rod Laver Arena. So, it's... How many people fit in a Rod Laver? 30? No, no, no. Um, 20? At most, 20. But I think for a concert, maybe you get about 15 in there. Okay. So, 15,000 people. Yeah. But it's, So, Rod Laver Arena is the centre court for the Australian Open. So, it's a, yeah. a decent-sized stadium. At the very, very end, he took the microphone away, unplugged his little earpieces, just sort of like motioned to everyone to shush, walked to the front of the stage and sung a cappella loudly enough for that entire audience to hear it. Yeah. Like, it was one of the most phenomenal vocal feats that I've ever seen. It was very, very cool. It bothers me how talented he is and good looking. <laughs> and, and funny. Yeah. He's a really funny guy. Like he has it all. He's he's one of those just they you know, they say God doesn't give with both hands, but in Buble's case, fuck me. Like just, you, you, you think he's someone like that would be really arrogant, but you're like, Oh, he's too down to earth. Fuck you, I man. Know, he's so humble. Yeah, like, like fuck you. You feel like <laughs> if he was just walking by this morning, maybe he's taking the dog for a walk. And you're like, Mike, do you want to come in? We're doing a Christmas thing. You're like, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I could come in. I could picture him in the corner with us right now. Yeah, and not trying to overtake conversation. No, just being part of it. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a genuine good dude. Yeah, and then that that just segues into Ben Folds, uh, who I saw with the symphony orchestra. Now, definitely wasn't out of touch in that audience. That audience was my people. Yeah. Um, but Kate Mel Heidke, I saw there, and just on the subject of powerful voices, holy shit! If you, if anybody, have you, have you heard her sing "What Wine in the Sun"? No. Yeah, she covered it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to track that down. It's on YouTube. Okay. But if you ever, ever get the chance to see Kate Miller Heidke perform, you've got to do it. So I she- had her in my studio on the radio once. Oh, really? Yeah, she she's, played in Geelong, yeah. She's like a little pixie, but with yeah, such she's an tiny. amazing voice. Like, yeah. I'd never heard her before. And she came out to do You Don't Know Me with Ben, which is a duet that he originally did with Regina Spector. They did the recorded version. I love her cover of Real Love by the Beatles. I'll have to check that out as mm. well. Um, but yeah, she came out and in the middle, like... 
Regina Spector in that song, she doesn't have a huge amount to do. Like, it's a nice duet, and she has these little moments of, like, oh, like just little bits yeah, on yeah. the side. Kate turned that into, like, she started busting out these operatic notes that were just phenomenal. I'd never heard anything like it before or since. Rambling a little bit. We're losing some sense of direction. Should we get into Star Wars? I want to get into favourite Christmas movies first. Favourite Christmas movies. Okay, then. Well. And have you seen the Netflix special A Very Murray Christmas yet? No, I haven't. Highly recommend it. Okay, then. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. First movies that come to mind are Elf and Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I like Home Alone 2 better than Home Alone 1. Yeah. I think it is actually funnier. Home Alone 1 starts slower. Yeah. Uh, Home Alone 1 had to establish the characters, where Home Alone 2 just got straight into it. Yeah. Have you... Holy shit, on the subject of that, this only just came out... Macaulay Culkin's video. Yesterday, Macaulay Culkin's video. That is going nuts on the internet, and with good reason. It's fucking fantastic. I was eight years old. The cutest fucking eight-year-old in the world, and they left him behind. (laughs) (laughs) They were remembered by Jackass brother. Hmm. So, basically, the premise is Macaulay Culkin is just picking someone up to take him for a drive, like an Uber or something like that. And he's just got a chip on his shoulder. It's not... Macaulay Culkin is Kevin, Kevin McAllister Kevin McAllister as an adult just has never got over it he doesn't like, look well I still have nightmares about it man <laughs> <laughs> Guy Walker and you know what I like the most because it's a kids movie and they call out the fact that like the like you know the wet bandits didn't even curse calling me louse <laughs> 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 like that would because that would screw you up more if yeah. someone had come into the house and was try like you know threatening to bite your fingers off but they wouldn't swear at you they were coming up with like cartoon swear words you'd be like what is going on Joe Pesci apparently a way of covering up for not swearing because apparently he refused to say a lot of the words that they'd written in yeah like, right like just the Swear words that weren't swear words. Basically, yeah. he's like, I'm not saying this shit. So, that's why he's going... That was his way of Talking like Yosemite Sam. Yeah. That was his way of saying non-swearing dialogue, but probably swearing under his breath, you know? Yeah, right. But yeah, Joe Pesci, great in those movies. And yeah. what's... um? Oh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, that's yeah. That's the other bandit. Oh, so Love. good. See, in Home Alone 2, that's where he does the um, washing machine. He zaps him, you see like the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> throws the, the bricks off the roof. Yeah. Oh, the bricks. The yeah. bricks is one of the funniest scenes. Yeah. When he's just... Out cold, but still trying to talk. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you? <laughs> what about Tim Curry, man? Oh, yeah, and Rob, Rob Schneider. Schneider. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and angels with even filthier souls. Yeah, that like. So here's some Home Alone trivia. If you you've didn't been sleeping know this. with my brother, <laughs> you've been sleeping with everybody. I'm afraid Al, you're Mo. mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> even Mo with a gimpy leg, yeah. Cliff. <laughs> yeah. I could go on forever, baby. <laughs> Uh, there's a behind the scenes from the Home Alone, from the first Home Alone DVD about yeah. angels with filthy souls. Do you know yeah. that they filmed that entirely for the movie? Bullshit. Yeah, they, that doesn't exist. They went oh, out. I thought they found an old movie. No, they went out and filmed it in the style of an old movie. And I love that first one as well in the first movie. Like there's a that. sweater you can get that says "Merry Christmas, you filthy animal." Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> what do I owe you? Issue says ten percent. That a fat. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. Yeah. I fucking love that voice. And yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, is my favourite sign-off to the to end a phone call. All right, I believe you, baby. But my Tommy gun don't. <laughs> <laughs> and like the crawling it and the hallway. Oh, great movie. That's so good. Um, and Plus, it's got the touching um, thing of Kevin where he gives the two doves to the, the um, homeless chick. The yeah, pigeon to lady. the pigeon lady. Yeah. Yeah. That is really nice. She plays that really well. Yeah. Similar to the old man in the first movie. She's like the scary character yeah. that turns out The second to be one is sweet. the first one all over again. Oh, of course it is. But they even take the piss out of themselves when they wake up late. Like, we did it again. Like, it's yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. Great um, score, by the way. Who oh, who does the score for that? I think it's... John Williams do... Is it? It is a great... I'm going to look that up. Um, home Alone score... I also, the Wet Bandits using the double-sided tape to rob from Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> as a kid, I looked at that and went, that's the most genius yeah. idea in the world. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, Elf. You oh, can't yeah. not like Elf. And everyone always goes to, Santa, I know him. It was John Williams. It was John Williams yeah. as well. Um, I watched Elf for the first time this year and, yeah, really enjoyed it. Very, yeah. very, very sweet movie. It's it's very rare that you get such a great family Christmas movie like that, that yeah. everyone can appreciate. You don't have to be a kid to it. You can be a kid and appreciate it and an adult and appreciate it, you yeah. know? Uh, what else have we got? Still You're going to pull out obscure fucking shit that no one knows about, aren't no, you? No, no, I'm not. There's some weird Finnish Santa horror movie that I'm not going to mention because I don't remember the title. But yeah. uh, obviously, I'm still in the back of my head. I'm running through the entire plot of Home Alone 2. I love the running gag of not tipping Rob Schneider. Like, he holds out his hand chewing and they gum. just put chewing gum in there. And then Buzz puts chewing gum in yeah. there. And then he's like, what about a tip? He's like, no, no, that's fine. And he just pulls out a wad of cash. Yeah. Like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my favorites. Die Hard. Brilliant movie set at Christmas time, if yeah. not a Christmas movie, but yeah. it's a great excuse to watch Die Gre- Hard. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I definitely include Gremlins in there. I've mentioned It's a Wonderful Life is a very, very sweet film. Yeah. I, I bought Scrooge this year that I haven't watched before, but I do plan on getting into that. I love him up a Christmas Carol. I've always loved it when I was I a kid. I love Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. There's so many versions of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. That it's, it's a great story. I yeah. see Michael Caine in the Muppet one's great. Yeah. Playing Scrooge. What else is one that I really pull out all the time? When I was a kid, I used to always watch every Christmas Eve. It was like Hanna Barbera's Christmas special, sing along special. Okay, and it's just all Hanna Barbera characters singing Christmas carols, but like yep. them doing, like acting out the carols as they're doing it. Yeah, you know, as they're singing it. But that that was a cool video. Uh, National Lampoons obviously yeah. was played every Christmas Eve. Uh, I feel like I've almost run that into the ground over the years, though. What about Jingle All the Way? Uh, oh, you know, I've never seen Jingle All the Way. Bullshit. Nah. It- it came out at a period where I felt like Schwarzenegger was on the decline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's worthy of watching, man. It's funny. All right. It's, it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger knowing where his career was at that point in time and just taking okay. the piss out of himself. Okay. It's really funny. All right. I might check that out. Then. Yeah, it's good. Oh, was it the Santa Claus of Tim Allen? I liked that I've movie. seen the Santa Claus, but wasn't overly big on it. I liked it when I was a kid. Miracle on 34th Street? Yeah. Have you ever watched that? Yeah, the, yeah. The, both the Dylan McDermott version and the original version. You can go either way. I saw the one from the 90s. Yeah, so that was Dylan McDermott. Yeah, yeah. Is Rudy, uh, Rudy Mara? I can't the, remember. The girl, in that? The girl from Matilda. Yeah. yeah and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. I think she is, yeah. 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 I've said it for a long time. Yeah. I, but yeah, all there's so many great... Like, I just love in the lead up to Christmas going through and watching yeah. different Christmas And films. I just love on Christmas morning when every TV show they just play the Christmas specials from it. Yeah. Like the, the, all the Simpsons ones, all the Futurama ones, all yeah. the Jetsons and shit like that. You know what I don't like though? What? How every network does their Christmas special ad like it's from the from the nine network oh, we yeah. wish you a merry christmas yeah. the one they've got at the moment is awful i don't watch just a bunch of celebrities yeah. on cartoon elf bodies just smiling like it's just still photos of them doing uh, some like those stupid fucking videos yeah, yeah. exactly it, it really pissed me off as much as christmas spirit could piss a man off i was yeah. like <laughs> i looked i was like that's just fucking awful go away i remember there was a, a, a nine ad the, the song they used to play was great it used to really make you feel like you're part of the nine family Still the one? Yeah, you're still the one. Did it? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great still commercial. Still the one I want. We're still having fun. You're still the one. <laughs> I'm, for- I'm forgetting a Christmas movie and it's really bugging me. There's something off the top that I wanted to talk about. Recent? Old? I don't know. <laughs> I've completely lost track of everything. Christmas movie. Would you like me to Google best Christmas movies and see if it comes Oh, up? no, that's what... So, it's not a Christmas movie, but a Thanksgiving movie that works the same way. Yeah. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, yeah. Cannot be beaten as far as a holiday movie goes. Yep. S- have you seen it? Have you sat down and watched it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Long, long time ago. It's, it's got so um, John, John great. Candy. John Candy and Steve Martin. And Steve Martin, yep. And it's 
the like if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil the story, but it doesn't matter. Go and watch it because it, um, a it's funny as hell. Like it's really it's one of Steve Martin's best films. He's got that great scene at the airport where I think he uses the word fuck like 18 times or something like that. Yeah. where he's been left without a rental car. Oh, uh, he's really yeah yeah yeah. It's um. And like he walks up to the counter, she's like, you know, hi, how can I help you? You can start by wiping that stupid fucking smile off <laughs> those rosy fucking cheeks. <laughs> That's the angriest you've ever seen Steve yeah. Martin be. So John Candy, like he's trying to get home to see, Steve Martin's trying to get home to see his family for Thanksgiving. John Candy's kind of this thorn in his side the whole yeah. way through. He doesn't like him, but he kind of just has to go along with it and gets him there. And he's really, really mean to him. And then um, by the very end of it, he just leaves him and he goes off to his family. And it's not until that moment that he's on his way back to his family that he thinks back about the whole trip and he realizes that John Candy's homeless and that his wife died years and years and years ago. And then he goes back and gets him and brings him in for their dinner. And holy shit, man, it's such a perfect end to a movie. Don't the Simpsons take the piss? Not take the piss, but an homage to that when uh, Gary Coleman is on The Simpsons? Uh, do they? You've seen the episode with Funzo and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and Gary Coleman comes in at the end and it's got the voiceover and then Mo walks in with a chicken or I think he has a duck, but that's like the... Okay, I'd have to re-watch it, but yeah, that could be something to but do the, with the, that. They're like, Gary, what are you doing? He's like, he's got no one for Christmas. So like, okay. why don't you come have Christmas with us? He's like, I don't want to. They're like, come on, Gary. And he's like, okay. And then he comes in and celebrates Christmas with them. Okay. Over the dinner table. Is it similar to that? Yeah, similar. Yeah. Apart from the fact that with John Candy, it's not him saying, I don't want to. He's just sort of being very coy about it and he yeah. can't admit to this guy that he's yeah, homeless. Yeah, but yeah, it's, oh god, it's such a good movie. Alrighty, so okay, Star Wars, Star Wars. Then okay, it is then. time. It is time. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Alrighty, so we're yes. going to talk about Star Wars. We're going to talk about the plot of Star Wars. We're going to talk about one of the very pivotal things. Uh, before I went there, my mate was who had seen it that morning. He's like, I could spoil it for you in three words. I was like, hmm. Send me those words in a text message, but I won't look at them until after the movie. Yeah. Uh, he went, all right, done. And yes, he could have spoiled it in three yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, very easily. And I think a lot of people had the movie spoiled by those three words. Yeah, exactly. But um, right now, though, if you are gonna, not, if you don't want to Star Wars spoiled, tune out now. But thanks Merry for Christmas. Some, Merry Christmas. Have a great New Year. Yep. We'll be be w- safe. Yes. Stay, stay, stick with us. We're going to keep recording throughout the holidays. We may um, take a week off. We're trying not to, but if we do, we apologize. But, you know. We will happen. post about it. Yeah. Like, I've got a little bit of time to spend in Queensland, but I should be able to get... Uh, we'll, we'll be able to record at some yeah. point. We won't be too far away. We really do appreciate you guys' support over the last six months. It's been great. Hopefully another, what, 10 years to go for this podcast if we get through all the episodes. At least to get through them all. But, um, yeah, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash discount. Send us a Christmas message. We'll write back to you. We appreciate. We want to, want to get some Christmas messages from people. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. Rate and review us on the iTunes store, Twitter, Instagram, the usual shit. Thanks for listening. Have a good Christmas. Now, time for Star Wars. Time for Star Wars. Alrighty, so, this movie. We've spoken a little bit about this, but not massively. You don't so like you... Star Wars as much as I do. No. And that's not to say that I don't like Star no. Wars. But you are like a mega fan. So tell, tell people about your history with this show, or with, with this movie, In, series. What do you mean by history of my history with it? So it, was it your uncle? Or how I first came into yeah. watching it? Well, I remember it being on TV when I was younger, and the first thing I remember seeing was uh, in Empire Strikes Back when Luke's getting trained by Yoda. And because I was a big Muppet fan when I was a kid, Yoda, I was drawn to him. You know? yep. I was like, what is this? Mum said, oh, it's Star Wars. And I, was, I think I was a bit too young to watch it at that point. Yep. But then later on, they, in 1997, they re-released them with new CGI and shit like that. Yeah, the, the re-release. Re- remastered it. Yeah. And my Uncle Darren took me to watch the movies for the first time. So the first time I watched them was at the cinema, but it was okay. the remastered versions. So that's that's what I always thought was the norm, the, the remastered versions. But ever since going to the movies and watching them with my uncle, I just fell in love with them. Yep. Yeah, my Uncle Darren. He How old will you have been? 1997. So, okay, so uh, you were- nine-ish? Nine-ish. Yeah. Okay. 
I probably watched the original trilogy. Now, I would have seen the actual proper original trilogy because my grandmother had them on VHS. I've got the VHS still. <laughs> yeah, right. So that was my intro to them. It was one of those whenever I was being babysat. It was the, probably the only three movies that she had that a kid would watch. Yeah. Um, so I just ate them up. Now, I really, really loved Empire Strikes Back. I'd probably for Yoda as well. But I think it's... Of all of them, I still think it's the best movie. Yeah. Uh, by, by such a long way, it's not funny. I think it's that leaves you on the cliffhanger. It's the only one that left you wanting more. It's a, it's also just got the best character development, the best yeah. plot. Everything's going... Everything about that movie is great. Like, A New Hope is a good movie, but overall, like, the storyline's a little bit weak in A New Hope. New Hope had to set up the characters. Yeah. Where Empire Strikes Back got straight into it, and it was just non-stop from start to finish. It was just character development, action. Yeah. It was a really good story. Uh, obviously, it, it kind of set that the sequel's a darker kind of trend in, in a sequel, but it works. It, it didn't go too dark, and it was before they went dark just for the sake of going dark. Like, it, it tapped into some darker elements, but it still maintained its fun. Like, Han was hilarious the whole way through, and it still had that real playful quality. Uh, Return of the Jedi, I was never as big on, and I think it was purely because just a time constraint thing. I would always watch A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and then I'd run out of time. And well, then I, I think it's funny because the Ewoks were made purely to just trying to appeal to kids. Yeah, but I didn't like them when I was a kid. No, me either. They, they annoyed me. Yeah, the squeaking. Yeah. Something about that bugged me. And Return of the Jedi, I feel like the middle act is kind of weak as well. Like the start's great, the, the like start's the fighting really over the sand yeah. pit and all that sort of stuff's very very cool. But then it just kind of loses me. I, I, I don't remember much about it up from what, that point. What, what happens in the middle act? I'm looking at the cards here on the wall. I've got the Star Wars Return of the Jedi <laughs> cards on the wall. So you got the, the start, you got the sand pit. They get away from Jabba. Luke goes to kill Darth Vader, obviously, and then they go to Endor. Yeah. Uh, that's the, I don't remember anything about it. I, yeah. uh, so then, anyway, as much as I watched them when I was a kid, and I watched them an awful lot, didn't watch them much throughout my teen years, uh, when the new um, trilogy, well, like Terrible. When the prequel trilogy came Terrible. around. Didn't watch episode one. Didn't watch episode two. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of them when they've been on TV. And like the first time I, I sat down, I was like, all right, I'll watch episode one. I watched 10 minutes. I was like, this is the worst, most wooden, stilted acting that I've ever seen in anything. I'm not committing two hours to this. Yeah. And then I did watch episode three at the movies because I was stranded in town. I had screwed up with a mate. Like, it was before I had a license and I think my mum had dropped me off. But then I, my mate had double booked and he wasn't actually at his house. Uh, no one was at his house and I had nowhere to sleep and I lived quite a long way away. So, I uh, I walked into town, managed to bump into some friends. I was like, can you give us a lift? I said, yes, but we're going to Star Wars first. Uh, so, I watched episode three. Didn't mind it. Bits and pieces. Really liked Ewan McGregor. Liked that final battle and I liked Ewan McGregor screaming, you were the chosen one. You were my brother. I remember cringing though when Darth Vader goes, no. <laughs> like, oh, fuck me. That just capped off this fucking shitty trilogy. Yeah, right. Too much, Way too much CGI. Oh, uh, it was all CGI. Do you know yeah. there was not one live-action Stormtrooper in those prequels? Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I did. Uh, they were on recently in the lead-up to this movie. They've been playing the movie, Fucking playing them on man. TV. And I saw one that I think was from episode one. It was a scene set with Obi-Wan chatting to, you know, he was in like a room and there's a bunch of other aliens. Nothing in that was real apart from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it was, like, it's barely... He was on a CGI stage. There yeah. were CGI walls, CGI characters, CGI space in the background. It, yep. it, it, I was, I, and it so badly showed. Like, I think the biggest issue with George Lucas and his use of CGI is it was never as good as he realised, that, or as he must have thought, thought that it was. Thought it was going to be, yeah. Because it just... Some CGI looks seamless and it blends in and it, and it really, really works, whereas this didn't. Like... Who Framed Roger Rabbit looked more realistic than Star Wars did. That's what made this, for me, The Force Awakens so much better. They didn't rely heavily on CGI. And when they did, it wasn't so... 
It didn't stand out so much. Yeah. You it, knew it was CGI, but it didn't bother you. Yeah. It, there was, it'd be interesting to know how much were practical effects. Like Most of it was. That rhinoceros thing drinking the water. That was real. That was real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, I guess I would hope that people like Christopher Nolan and even George Miller with Mad Max have reset the standard for what can be done with practical effects. They've proved it can be done if you've got the time and the committed patience. to it. Yeah, and maybe if you're crazy enough. Yeah. Like that field crashing in um, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was showing you how that yeah. was mostly done with practical effects. Yeah. They built an elevated stage to actually have players, like the actors, falling into real holes that wasn't, yeah, CGI fake player falling into a fake hole in the ground. Yeah. Well, when, I, when I was watching The Force Awakens, I remember sitting there thinking, I fucking love this. Like, they're touching this. Like, that, that is, everything you're seeing, it's there. You yeah. know, it's real. It's not just fucking right. computer. Yeah, you need, at the very least... I think in a live action film, you need the sets to be real. Yeah. You can augment stuff with CGI and you can... I don't love a CGI character. And it's the same for me. The Hobbit versus Lord of the Rings. The Goblin King in The Hobbit didn't have anywhere near as much fearsomeness as the orcs did because the orcs were actual people they'll, standing there. They look scary. Whereas the Goblin King, you're like, eh, whatever, you're, just on, you're in front of a green screen yeah. and it's not real. Like the close-ups of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were done with puppets. Yeah. It, you, they had CGI stuff in the, in the background and, again, augmented with reality and it kind of... And it worked in that case and it still felt palpable. But when it's really clear that what they're looking at is a gr- tennis ball on a stick, then it, or, yeah, it, it doesn't work as much. That Jurassic Park scene where the T-Rex is getting the kids in the car would not have anywhere near as much effect no. if it wasn't real. No, no. no nowhere near it's it It's a giant all. fucking... Tyrannosaurus Rex fucking head hitting a car. It's yeah. real. It's there. And I'll tell you, well, the exact, I'll give you the exact thing that has in Jurassic World when the, um, what do they call it? The fucking something. Indominus Rex. Indominus Rex. Thank you. When that's attacking the green ball. CGI. Yeah. You know what CGI. It's a tense-ish moment, but it's nowhere near the same as the thing. Like, like those isn't real. The screams from the kids in Jurassic Park are real because the thing fucked up and it was actually falling down onto yeah. them. And it makes it a million times a better movie. Yeah. Alrighty. So, what were your thoughts on the movie? Look, I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I know that you, a lot of people have said that it was great. It was a brilliant movie. I think if you're not massively invested in the series, that I don't know that you're going to walk away saying that was a great film. My one thing that I thought of, at, at like overall, I was walking out going, well, I don't know that my life has been changed by watching it. Like if I hadn't have watched it, I don't know if there's anything in there that I would have been missing out on. I guess in hindsight, looking back, I'm struggling to see what the iconic moment was in that maybe that little confrontation at the very end between Han and Kylo. But overall, like, like there wasn't the moment of Luke rising the X-Wing out of the swamp in Empire Strikes Back or Obi-Wan fighting Darth Vader in the first one. Like, there, some of the, those movies had pivotal key scenes that you will remember forever. I don't know, you might have something different, but for me, I don't know if there was anything in this that I hadn't seen before. You know what, for me, what it was? Stormtroopers, man, they gave them personality here. They made them real people. When that fucking stormtrooper dies and wipes his hand on the, on the other stormtrooper's face, on Finn's face, yeah, and his blood, never saw it before. Stormtroopers in the on the old movies were just things in the way. Yeah, that's true. They do make you feel they, they kind make, of sympathetic to you, them. And and um, Finn has that line about how, like old stormtroopers, I was taken from my family when yeah. I was young. That they, they, you, they do get given some sympathy here. You, you never get that insight into how the bad guys work. I love the whole Stormtrooper going rogue and yeah. helping the good guys, but I just I love that scene where they kill the villagers and stuff and they're, they're all shooting and Finn won't shoot. Mm. And there's that moment where Kylo looks at him. It was pretty dark. Um, yeah. It was way laced. They made, and the thing too, in the old ones, I like the bad guys better than the good guys in the old ones. Mm. They made you hate the bad guys in this one because they were just fucking ruthless pricks. By humanizing them, does that make them a little bit less fearsome though? 
No, not to me, because these are just guys that you know will kill you and not think twice about it. I really like, there's a good moment of Stormtrooper comedy, which you don't get. The, the previous films, it was only accidental, like one of them banging their head or whatever it yeah. is. Uh, I love the moment where Kylo Ren is going ballistic my favorite destroying in the whole movie. And yeah. two Stormtroopers just walking around and then they see it and like one of them just grabs it like, whoop, and then turns <laughs> around and walks the other way. <laughs> How that funny was, is that? That was very funny. That was a really... I, overall, I thought the film had a great mix of comedy and action. It's got more and, comedy than any... It's the most genuine, funny Star Wars that we've got. Yeah. What about when he's like saying, I'm in charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is it the, like the gesturing with the face? What's this? What are yeah. you doing this for? <laughs> um, I've got a good plan here. Yeah. Or the, the thumbs up with the BB-8. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. BB-8 using a little... Um, Light, little lighter. Zippo lighter yeah. to, to give a thumbs up back. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that stuff was done really, really well. And it got back to what was so great about the original trilogies. They're fun movies. Yeah. The original might not have gone for comedy, but it went for fun. Yeah. Like, it's sort of, it was comedy in the same way that Indiana Jones kind of had comedy through it. That it oh. was not out-and-out jokes, but it was just fun. I saw Force Awakens as a, a blend of the first one and Empire Strikes Back. It's got the dark side that Empire Strikes Back has. But it was essentially a new hope done all over again. It was yep. virtually the exact same movie. Yeah. I was going to say that. that. That's If one thing, a slight issue of mine is that it was just a new hope done again. But it's supposed to be. That's what a Star Wars fan wanted. This is what I say to people. Everyone's saying, oh yeah, but it was just a remake of the first one. I get that. But the whole goal of this movie, the end result, in my opinion, was suck in the Star Wars fans and get them excited again. There's six more movies coming. So, you've got another five movies to create your own story. Yeah. You've got you to make us want to watch them first. I don't like movies, though, that, that rely on the fact that Don't Worry, We'll Make More. Like, you need to make... It doesn't matter if you've got six. You need to make each individual movie brilliant in its own right. And then... What's so great about Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises is that the Batman trilogy could have stopped after Batman Begins and been fine just as a movie. The Dark Knight could have existed I without Batman. I thought Batman Begins was pretty shit. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a good movie. Compared to the other two, is what I'm saying. Uh, it definitely ramped up, but yeah. The Dark Knight could exist in and of itself. You don't need Batman Begins to make The Dark Knight make sense, and vice versa. Batman Begins doesn't rely on The Dark Knight to pay off. Like, it, And then again, through The Dark Knight Rises, as much as it culminates everything that came before it, it again could stand alone as its own film, but then as a trilogy, it all adds up and is brilliant together. I feel like there's a there's been a trend in a few movies of like fucking Man of Steel is a great one where there's so much wrong with Man of Steel and Zack Snyder was like no but we're setting it up we're going to fix it up in the next one you don't get to do that because I just sat down for two and a half hours I don't want it fixed in two years I want it resolved now and then you can add to it down the track so and there aren't glaring issues in this particular movie that you know need to be fixed in that same way but I would have liked I get that you're setting up for a trilogy. But I would have liked a little bit more variation in the storyline from what has come before, personally. Like, to the point of Droid with Secret Map versus Droid with Secret Plans in A New Hope, the whole third act is almost beat for beat the same. Um, I I will say, I thought the blowing up the planet was quite anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, because you've seen it done twice already. But, But it wasn't so much even that, it was that in Star Wars, Luke, it was that, can Luke shoot that bullet into that hole? And when it went in, you're like, oh, relieved. Yeah. But then, like, Poe and that, sort of, they blow, he blows up the central part and the planet starts falling apart. But it wasn't that moment of, 
you did it. You know, it was just okay. Well, it's falling apart now. Everyone get off the planet before it explodes. I think that's because again, though, you've you know what's coming. You've seen it before, so it doesn't have that same moment of climax because it's what you expect. Yeah. It, it, even like to the point if you got this, almost have the exact same characters saying that you know three minutes until our primary rep- weapon is ready and that sort of thing. Like it, 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 it just felt too derivative for that third act for me. That yeah. it, that's probably why I walked out of there not feeling flat, but not feeling over the moon about it either. So, other things that are good in it from my point of view. Harrison Ford, fucking fantastic throughout the entire movie. Uh, His interaction, A, with Chewie, you know, because he's been doing for years, but his interaction with the new guys, how well the new and the old blended is fantastic. Really, really, really well done. I think they did well setting up the the new guys. The first act of the movie, you could just about say, there's no reference to any of the old characters. No, not at all. Other than, you know, Luke Skywalker's... Yeah, out and about they're, they're mentioned. They're not actually seen. Until you see Han, that's when it's you're like, okay, so here comes the old guy. Now, one thing people keep saying is, oh, there wasn't enough Luke Skywalker. I get that, but you needed to get as much Han into this as possible because you're not going to get him anymore. Yeah. So, I can understand why they focus more on Han. And really, did you need to see Luke? Not really. I think it does make it better for me that I'm now excited to see what they do with Luke in the next yeah. episode. It's, um, from a business- that is one thing. So, that's, that's the Batman Begins moment where... Commissioner Gordon gives him, like, you know, he all we have is this playing card, I'll look into it, and it's the Joker tease. That's the bit where I do find that there's that little tease of, now you're going to get to see what Luke Skywalker with 40 years of experience of fucking shit up can do. Well, does he have 40 years of experience, though? Because I thought he stopped being a Jedi. Not stopped being a Jedi, but he's just... He, he, still, got, he still has that power. He still has the power, like, but... Now Luke Skywalker is essentially Obi-Wan Kenobi from the first film. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's the guy that can teach and, and is going to have power beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Yeah. He'll probably... Similar to Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, he's probably not going to use all that power all the time. He's going to now help other people grow and, and nurture them, which will be interesting to watch. I think it's... I saw he's going to be more like a, a Yoda-esque training Daisy or training Ray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to Yoda, as, as that's another good analogy. Well, did, you know what did, I liked actually? It's the first time in a long time that I've seen Mark Hamill look like Luke Skywalker again. Yeah, like, you see Mark Hamill just in day to day life for another film, like it, it, to the point that when they said he was in it, I was like, "Fuck, how are they going to make that work?" Because he looks nothing like him anymore. But they they made it work. He had Luke Skywalker eyes again. He looks like Obi Wan with Luke in him. Yeah, yeah. Like, where do you think Ray comes into this? Like, how does she have the Force? That's a weird thing. It just popped up. And it's kind of explained off by the old, uh, by that whatever creature with the goggles of, you know, the force moves through everyone and it's all around us. And she just, mm, for no real reason, was able to tap into it. I think. And just figured it out on her own. I think there's more to it than that. My theory is that, well, in the expanded universe, Han and Leia had twins. Okay. Ren and Rey would there before be the twins. Yeah, potential. The only people saying, oh, but why wouldn't Han not say nothing yeah. to her? But my theory is possibly, and this is probably wrong, but that they sent her away onto the planet to protect her, and he didn't mention that he was a daughter because he doesn't want the First Order to find out that they had a second kid. They don't, okay. want, they don't want her to know that she can use the Force. So that ties in with the, why she hasn't seen her parents for so long, why she's still that kind she of wasn't child. A, she, wasn't taken, she wasn't abandoned. She was yep. put away to hide. Mm. She was great in that movie, by the way. I really oh. liked that they cast a strong feminine hero yeah. uh, overall in the I didn't film, like when I first read it I thought how are they going to pull this off of a woman being like the main character but she fucking nails dominated. it dominated she, she's really great she fucking messes shit up and not only that she dominates without a great script 
like the story's okay, but and outside of the jokes, there's no great emotional dialogue in here. But she manages to convey some stuff, particularly when she finds the lightsaber in that moment where it's like um, Luke going through the swamp in Empire Strikes Back, where and she she's brilliant in that moment. And from that point on, she really sings and is the best thing in that movie. Up to that point, Harrison Ford had been the best thing in that movie. I just think that the special effects were so great. I loved that. A, there was a lot of reliance on animatronics. Yeah. They, they made the effort. Like the, the cantina bar of this movie. What was... I don't even know what it was called, but it was her little temple thing. Yeah, yeah. They didn't need to have all those creatures there, but they just did it. Yeah. Because they wanted to, to feel like a Star Wars movie. But there was one point where BB-8's going off. He's just seen the, the village explode. And he's sort of... I felt like they had the emotions of BB-8 really well. They made him emote. Yeah, they did that very, very well for an animatronic uh, character. Yeah. Um, but as he's riding off into like... Similar to Wally. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's being compared to. As he rode off into the um, into the desert, a little creature pops up out of the sand and just sort of looks at him. Didn't like that. Why? Because it didn't need to be there. Like, that for me was one where it almost felt Lucas-y. It was like George Lucas going, I, I need CGI here. There's a moment where nothing's happening. Let's put in a monster. Like but that. But was, it's not CGI though. I don't care what, but it felt like that thing of, well, let's have something in the background. That shot works fine without that little thing oh, popping If you're, if you're a Star Wars fan, you appreciate that. In the remastered version, there's this, um, these aren't the droids you're looking for scene. Isn't there just some random CGI like elephant thing added into the background yeah, that but most not, Star Wars fans not, don't like because they had no need to be there? Not into the background. It goes over the... In, in the original, it's a droid going past the front of the screen. But in the uh, the remastered version, yeah. Lucas CGI'd a giant walking thing in front of the screen that goes along where the droid would be. Okay. And it looks shit out. It just, to me, that moment felt like it was just there for the sake of having extra business that didn't need to be there. It's a minor quibble, but yeah. yeah. You know the one thing that I did laugh about BB-8? I was imagining the screenplay in that first uh, scene. So, it's like exterior, day, we're on a remote, desolate planet. Suddenly, a marketable toy appears. (laughs) (laughs) Like that very much. Like, I mean, they were selling the BB-8 droid for months before the movie even came out. He's a very good character in the movie. They do a good job with him, but there was that cynical kind of marketing side coming through every action that he made. All movies are. Not all. A lot, certainly. Look, Star Wars... But Star Wars has always been just an excuse to sell toys. Yeah. Similar to Transformers. Yeah, it's just... That's all it is. And when you're a Star Wars fan, you accept that. And I think that the BB-8 character, I liked him a lot more than I thought he would. I'm going to go through some of the quibbles that I had. Some yeah. of them are minor. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a couple that are slightly bigger. Yeah. The script every now and then felt clunky. And I, again, that's all Star Wars scripts have. But little bits and pieces... And this is movies in general. I hate the phrase, we've got company... Or what's the plan? Oh, sorry, what's the play? They don't say what's the plan here, but um, what we've got company is used twice. It never gets said outside of film. It just like you wouldn't say we've got company. You go, holy fuck, the stormtroopers are here. Everyone, get your shit and get out. The other there's look, there's an old adage in acting of don't tell me, show me. Yeah, I feel like every now and then, particularly with Finn, there's a lot of moments where he's telling us rather than showing us, like when he's. On the uh, cannons in the Millennium Falcon, and yeah. he's, you know, trying to shoot, and there's like, you know, I feel like I can do this. I'm getting the hang of it. Well, shut up! Don't say you're getting yeah. the hang of it. Get the hang of it, yeah. and I will. F- I'll join the dots on my own if you're acting. Yeah, and I don't think that's his fault. I think that's just the script and the way it's done. And again, this is less a, a criticism of Star Wars, more about films in general. I hate when there's a chase scene or there's an action scene and they keep feeling the need to cut back inside the cabin. Even the Dark Knight does this to that one guy who keeps delivering a line. Like, you take me away from the action to show me a close-up of the actor saying something. That's irrelevant because the actor's only telling me what I'm seeing anyway. You don't need that there. That's all. That bugged me a tiny little bit. That sequence would have been better had they not... You could go to a tight shot of Finn 
maybe like just through his face, you see him growing confidence or whatever it might be. But again, it's one of those things that doesn't happen in real life. There aren't fighter pilots in F-22s flying around going, oh, I'm getting the hang of this. Or real like, life in this galaxy. Or like, yeah, I got him. Like, it's that, that's not going to happen. It's because Star Wars is a parody of Saturday morning space operas from like the 50s. And that's exactly what they would do. It's still a parody of Saturday morning space office operas from the 50s though? Well, it's staying true to what the originals were. And so, yes. Yeah. I feel like that's something that could evolve, though. It could adapt into a more... So, you're, you're not a true... You're not true. You're not a diehard yeah. fan. But no, I'm so, not a diehard fan. Yeah, but no. So, Star Wars fans don't want it to become a realistic thing because everything now has to be realistic. No, no, no I don't mean realistic, but I mean just better. Like, I'm not saying... I just think that those lines take... Having that line versus having someone show you that through performance of physically acting the physically acting performance is going to be better than having them just say it. Yeah. That, that's all I mean. Like, yeah. I, I'm not saying be realistic and like it's fucking light speed and 12, Kessler run in 12 parsecs yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like, no, you're not going to bring realism to that world. I just think that it could have been done yeah. slightly better in that I, particular I like moment. that stuff, but yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, here's, here's a more fundamental issue that I had yeah. with the overall way that Kylo Ren was handled. Yeah. I don't think they should have let him take off his helmet until the very, very end of the movie. And here's why. Darth Vader, terrifying. Like the the whole point of a, a mask is to be faceless, and you project your own fears onto that character. As soon as Kylo Ren takes off that mask, and he's just a pretty boy, kind of twenty two year old that looks like he's still going through adolescence, I'm not afraid of him anymore. And then when he puts his mask back on at the end, that mask serves no more purpose. Like it, it is no longer, as an audience member, it's no longer scary. So I, I wouldn't have had him take it off during that interrogation scene. I would have had him take it off when he confronts Han, Han yeah. because that allows him get to get emotional and that's a fucking brilliantly acted scene. They are so good in that moment. Yeah. But yeah, and then he then he can have his mask off for the rest of the movie because it's only the fight scene and then you get to see him that way. But I just felt that taking it off halfway through took away some of the mystique about the bad guy. And I, fundamentally, I thought that was a massive fuck up. I think why they felt the need to take it off with that scene with Ray was because they wanted to see show his frustration not being able to manipulate her mind. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, maybe that wouldn't have worked as well. Because if, if it's just if a mask, the mask you, you can't tell, really, just by the way he's shaking his hand. It'd be very hard to emote that he's getting frustrated. And it's the, when she says to him, you're afraid that you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader, and you see his face, he's like, fuck you, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. It, it, that scene wouldn't have worked as well. But I can understand, by, on, by doing that, does, though, it does take away from the hand moment. Yeah. But I think that's why they did it in that scene. Yeah, probably. I think they, they sort of looked at that moment more important as the one between Han and him because Ray's going to be the central main character for the series. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing about that is I was looking at Ray's face during that more than his anyway because she goes through that transition of feeling excruciating yeah. pain and then rising above it. And that was, that was what had drawn my eyes the whole way through that moment. Yeah. Uh, and that, tell, that tells the story on its own as well. Like, you know that she's gotten on top of him. Yeah. Um, I will give Kylo Ren credit, by the way. The very first scene, the moment where he's about to get shot and he just uses the force to hold the blaster. Yeah. That's fucking badass. Yeah. That was really cool. And when he holds uh, Ray still. Yeah. In forest or whatever. Yeah, and she just cannot move. They sucked me in because in the Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader becomes good. So I'm thinking, all right, this kid's still got some good in him, right? So I, I wanted to like him. I know he's done some bad things, but I wanted him to. Jo- I wanted to join the, the rebellion again. Like, what, yeah. the, what are they called in here? The resistance. The, uh, yeah, the resistance. Yeah, he wanted him to join the good side again. And I thought, just for a brief moment, that possibly he was going to be good. Turn. Yeah. But then when he killed Han, I was like, you 
fucking arsehole. That was, yeah, killing any chance of redemption. And there is, no matter whether he saves good guys or not, I will never like Kylo Ren now. No, no, I don't think they could do that. Like, the only way that it goes now is that Kylo Ren can, will fight and be defeated, but he can't ever turn. You don't think he'll sacrifice himself in the end? I think... Won't matter. I think it will end that he'll sacrifice himself. I'd prefer it if he was beaten, purely because he killed... The huh. one of the most loved characters in movie history. You can't make people like him. Now. He doesn't get to now take his own life. No, like it, you need in a movie, you need the morality tale. The good guy has to win, and the good guy has to be the one that gets his revenge. Yeah, like, I think that that in that instance is a, it's the better way and the more satisfying way for it to pay off. Yeah, but by doing that scene with Hank, there's no going back now. No, there's not. But uh, related to real life, it's like a murder suicide. Like that yeah. thing of like, what you fucking killed someone and then you took yourself out. Sim- you Simpsons, pre- Simpsons reference. Phil Hartman's wife. Yeah. Fuck her. Yeah, exactly. Like if you've gone, if you fucking to be to kill someone and then not face the consequences yeah, and not you. let someone else get some form of redemption out of it. Fuck you. It's like a suicide bomber. Yeah, exactly. So, so for that reason, I think it's going to need to be someone else that defeats Kylo in the future. With that scene there. Did you think that Han knew he was going to be killed at that point? Because um, he said thank you. Like, I, 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 yeah, I, I think it was his. He you, knew that he knew that there was every chance that that was going to happen. That it was going to go one of two ways. But you don't think he wanted to kill his son? Like, what, what do you? No. What, like, what did he think was going to happen? You know? Well, that he was either going to get him to come home with him, or what do you think he was he trying was to hand him killed? his hand him his lightsaber and take the lightsaber off? Because he said, I, "I need to do something. I don't think I've got the strength to do it." Oh, it did look for a minute like he was going to ask him to kill him. Yeah. I don't know if that would have been in Han's mind when he was first walking out, but no. in that moment, I did think that, yeah, oh, shit, that's going to be kind of cool. Yeah. And that uh, that actually also would have been really gut-wrenching to watch, but would have been a really sweet moment had and Han had to kill his only son. Uh, but they couldn't do that, though. They couldn't kill off Kylo Ren in this movie. No, they... Uh, yeah. They no. spent too long investing, making him a bad guy for the franchise to just what spe- try and create a new one for the new movie. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. I knew Kylo Ren was not going to die, but for a brief moment when he took off his mask, I thought, maybe he's going to, you know turn face or, you know, become the good guy again. He fucking killed Han Solo. You know, one thing that happened before that moment that uh, here's one of my... <laughs> um, watching critically and just bits and pieces in The Force where this can happen with magic in any movie where people have magic up to the point that it suits the plot. When the Millennium Falcon lands on the planet, Kylo he Ren... Han. Yeah, he's like, hmm, I sense Han, Han Solo. I then he fucking walks past him three feet away and yeah. <laughs> doesn't see him. I thought the exact same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that bugged me. I was like, I'll, oh, come on. <laughs> when he walked past him, I was like, how does he not know he's right behind that little pillar there? Yeah. You're fucking forced. You can stop laser beams coming at you with from behind and you don't... Or did he know and he was getting him out, luring him out into the platform? No, that's giving too much benefit of the doubt yeah. to the scriptwriters. <laughs> A couple of things that sort of went over, because I've seen it twice. I saw it once okay. with diehard Star Wars fans who laughed and fucking... Sucked in, uh, was sucked in by every throwback moment. Yeah, I went to the three PM screening on a fucking Friday, and it was half full. Yeah, big line, still half full, and a lot of jokes people went over their heads. Like for example, in the Millennium Falcon, Finn picks up the ball that um, Luke was training with. Yeah, and throws it away, and I'm like, and then no one got it, and I was like, oh. it's the chessboard, the chessboard. Well, I thought and, it was- uh, people were pissing themselves laughing at that. No yeah. one got it in the second screening. Yeah, you know? you know, on the Stormtrooper armor, the other thing that I noticed: why the fuck do they even wear it? Given that every weapon in the galaxy just is one shot kill to them. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, was yeah. Like, I get the masks because that dehumanizes them and it makes them just this imperial army. Of, it doesn't of actually protect them. Solitude. But yeah, they could just as easily be wearing a leotard. <laughs> like, yeah. That they could true. be nude. That'd be more frightening. Nude stormtroopers <laughs> just with the helmet. <laughs> well, why would they wear them? Maybe no. when they first put them on, weapons weren't as advanced and it was okay. Oh, the masks are useful because they can go through gas and smoke or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But besides that... <laughs> 
Um, they blend into the snow. You know, okay, th- there's another bit of business that happened early in the film that happened purely... It was with no one giving any thought to the logic of what a character would actually do in that moment. Yeah. So, it's when Ray is, like, scavenging through this thing. Um, she's, like, she's going through an old Imperial uh, battleship or something like that. It's crash-landed on the planet. She's, it's on the top of this massive dune and she kind of gets on the little toboggan and then Goes rides down, it back yeah. down to her, uh, to her speeder, which is a fucking hover bike. So, presumably, she's parked the hover bike at the bottom and then walked all the way up that hill. But it's a hover bike. Hover bikes can't go up hills. Okay. Why would you park at the bottom? Have you ever seen a hover bike go up or just across land? They just hover over the ground. Yeah, but if the they... ground goes up, it's still going to hover up, surely. Like it's just... Is it though? I would assume. It's just an anti-gravity thing. It doesn't know what flat is. It's just bouncing back off whatever ground is below but, it. But if she was driving it straight, like it wouldn't it tilt up. It f- Sure it would, because the front of it would go against the ground in the front. Are you saying any undulation and the hover bike is useless? You have to go around everything. Well, have you ever seen a hover thing go up and on an angle in Star Wars? No, but I think that's just because they went. To, they just went, we want to have her slide down the hill. I, yeah, I can see that, but I don't know whether it would logistically go up the hill, though. I reckon it would. Because we'll get Kip Thorne, the physicist, to be yeah. <laughs> to ride in. Because the front of the ship sticks out, over, because it hovers underneath... Mm. There'd be a point of the front of the ship where it has no hover underneath it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean, but I don't know whether... I think a hoverboard would go up that hill. wouldn't go over water, but it would go up that hill. Yeah, but um, the hoverboard, you can tilt with your feet to go up. Yeah, well, she could lean back on the bike. You can't lean back on that thing. Sure you can. You can't. And the second thing that she does with it that annoyed me, though, was yeah. she, pulls, she comes into her town, and the, yeah. like, she, you know, she drops off, and you see her struggling to carry her load over to the merchant store to trade it. Why didn't she just drive Why? it? Why? <laughs> exactly. Why? It's, a hot, it's not like she, there was a p- specific parking zone. She just left it in the middle of nowhere. And again, I was like, you're just trying to show us that her life is difficult. Yeah. But that makes no sense. Because if yeah. I was on that bike, I'd be like, fucking cruise right up. I'd be in the line on the bike. Yeah, like, yeah. this shit's heavy, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm riding <laughs> up to the front of your stall. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was the only other little thing that bugged me. The final one, Luke Skywalker. So, the final climax of the movie, they are flying in in the Millennium Falcon, and she goes up to meet Luke Skywalker, and she yeah. walks up these mother, like, hundreds and hundreds of steps, and she holds his lights, her lightsaber out to him, yeah. um, and they just stare, and, like, that's the end. You're like, okay, so this is where the story's going to go from here. If Kylo Ren can feel Han Solo landing on, like, the other side of the planet, and he learned from Luke Skywalker... I would assume that Luke Skywalker has enough force left in him to be able to know that the motherfucking Millennium Falcon and his lightsaber have just landed at the bottom of his hill. I would also... like, Come down! He just stays up there. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to stand up here with my fucking back turned. Don't, like, Luke's being a massive dick at the end of that episode. He's allowed to be. Come and greet your guests. Oh, like, him. you've been alone on that <laughs> island, on, the, on that planet, for however long. Someone's come all the way for you, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck him. They yeah. can come up to me. I'm going to make him walk up the steps, and I'm not even going to say hi when they get there. Yeah. He's, he's, he's earned that. He's allowed to. Fuck him. Uh, that was a dick move by Luke Skywalker yeah. at the very end of the film. Uh, I can understand that. But yeah. overall, good. Like, again, overall, it was a good movie, and I think overall, if you're a Star Wars fan in particular, you're really, really going to like it. For me, I thought that the best analogy was similar to J.J. Abrams' Star Trek reboot, the first film, in that I'd never really been into Star Trek, but I watched that first one and went, this is pretty sweet. I like these characters, and I'm... I'm interested to see where it goes from here. I think it did, like I said, I think it did a good job of making people who may not ever have given the old Star Wars a go, they're just going to watch this because everyone else is watching it. Yep, and, and they'll then, enjoy they'll, it. And they'll enjoy it. Yeah, you could come into it clean from the series and not pick up on all of the in-jokes and the references to but the But you past. will appreciate it more. But yeah, yeah it's still it's still a movie from that you're going to watch from start to finish. I, overall, the plot was just a little bit thin. 
Yeah. But they focused more on, I guess, as you said, establishing characters and all that sort of but thing. But uh, that's like exactly how the first one, which means maybe the second one's going to be absolute badass. I really hope it is. Because now they've introduced the characters, it's it, just, let's get straight into is it. Is Abrams on for directing the nah, second one as well, got, or they um, haven't decided? They, no, they have decided all three of them. Okay. Episode 8 is going to be directed by Ryan Johnson, R-I-A-N, Johnson. Now I know that name. What's he done? But He hasn't really directed that many famous movies that you'd say, but he direct, he's directed episodes of Breaking Bad. He did Fly of Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. So he's... <laughs> He did um, 51 and... Oz- Isn't that your most hated episode of Breaking Bad? It was my... No, I, I didn't hate it, but I remember getting to the end of it thinking, what the fuck did... It had nothing to do with the episode, uh, with the story. Also, I happened to do Ozzy Mandias, which is the fucking best episode of Breaking Bad by yeah. that far. It's not funny. So this and guy's- Looper, which is great sci-fi. Looper. Yeah, yeah. So this guy is going to be directing episode eight, and episode nine is going to be the guy that directed Jurassic World. Okay. Well, he knows how to handle action at the very least. Yeah. But hopefully, we can get a better script than what the Jurassic World one was. Hopefully, it doesn't rely on CGI as much as in Jurassic World yeah. as well. Yeah. That was my biggest issue with Jurassic World is that I've watched it and the it was fine at the time, but now that the spectacle's gone, I don't know that I ever really want to own it on DVD because there's not enough story to warrant watching nah. it a second time. Uh, similar to Avatar for me. Like, I watched Avatar once at the movies. I never got the whole big deal with Avatar, man. I get it. I, you know why I think it made so much money? Because it was the first 3D movie. I, it was brilliant use of 3D. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, like it was a great cinematic experience. Yeah, but there's no reason for me to watch it again. No, and that again for me for this particular movie, you've obviously seen it twice, so you took it differently. But I walked out and was like, "Well, I've seen it. There hasn't been enough, particularly blockbuster films for me this year, where I've walked out going, holy shit, I can't wait till I can own that on DVD.' Most of them, I've gone, all right, I've seen that, and if I don't see it again, I'm not going to be too upset." Whereas, I guess... Award- what was the last film you did that with? Besides Batman movies, that's all, you're, you're always, you go to Batman, Batman, no, no, Batman. No, no, no. Um, award season films for me. Like, I saw Whiplash and was like, my, I need to fucking watch Whiplash again as soon as I f- possibly can. Like, that's right up the other end of the scale. It's pure human drama and acting. Um, that's not a blockbuster, though. No, it's not. Probably the last blockbuster film for me was Mission Impossible 5. I really enjoyed it. Mm. And... I guess it's because that was one of the last films that still showed me shit that I hadn't seen before. Like, they fucking hung to Tom Cruise off the side of a plane and flew him up in the air. Like, I guess the game keeps being raised. And Mad Max is another one. that saw Mad Max was like, this is just fucking phenomenal and fantastic and unlike anything I've seen before. Whereas... But did you think the script was strong in that movie? It had no fucking script. No, the script wasn't. Mad Max was purely visceral experience. Um, the storyline is well, just the, drives the, from the, here to there. The problems you have with Star Wars are very similar to Mad Max in the, sen- in the sense of the script-wise. But what Mad Max had going for it was showing me shit that I hadn't seen before, whereas Star Wars... I don't know. Like, Is the action in Star Wars any better or worse than the action in the Avengers or the Avengers 2 or Iron Man or Thor or any of the last... 10, 15 movies that we've seen over the last few years. Like, it's good action, don't get me wrong, but it didn't raise the bar. It didn't didn't show me anything that I haven't already seen. Yeah. Like, it just was different colour palettes, basically. Mm. But that that was it for me. Like, it, again, I'm not bagging it by any means. So I'd, yeah, give, I it a, and I'm, I'm I'd give it a solid four out of... I like it. Yeah, I, well, I do like it. I'd give it a solid four out of five stars. It's just that it didn't... It didn't push me over the edge yeah. as being a, more of a neutral. Not neutral is even probably an understated word. Like I really like the original Star Wars films, but I would never have considered. I'd never identify as being a Star Wars fan. You know what I don't like is when people don't watch Star Wars, say they don't like it, and they have never watched it. Yeah, no, yeah, well, they just choose you know not me, to like you know it. No, I would not do something along those lines. Uh, uh, but um, um, like for example, Ash had never seen Star Wars. Yeah, I don't like it. And I said, well, how about you just watch it? No, nah, I, I won't like it. I'm like, you haven't watched it. I've had a lot of these battles with Ash. <laughs> and then we yes. watched it and she got pulled her phone out within like a minute. And I'm like, 
But you know, I'm watching it. How are you going to like it? Yeah, I know. She's, she, she has said to me she'd give it another go. That particular night that she pulled her phone out, she just said she was tired and wasn't in the mood for watching a film. So, um, but if you're going to get... If you, now, though, honestly, if you're going to try and get people sucked into a Star Wars movie these days, show The Force Awakens first, I think. People who don't necessarily wouldn't, wouldn't normally give Star Wars a go, if you're going to suck them in, it's got to be as good quality like technology as possible. Like, it's got to look the part where I think... Even Empire Strikes Back, it looks outdated in regards to special effects. Oh, very. I, I think it looks hokey pokey when you consider consider the special effects of Force Awakens to like a New Hope. New Hope looks dog shit, special effects wise. But at the time, amazing. Yeah. So I think if I'm trying to show someone that this is why we like Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back is a better movie, but I don't think that younger people now would appreciate Empire Strikes Back as much as Force Awakens. What do mm. you think? Probably. The, the majority of an audience, yes. You're still going to find people, like, I don't give a shit about the way a movie looks. And you're still going to find a lot of people out there like me that if the character's good and everything's consistent, I don't care if it's fucking hand puppets. Like, I'll, I'll watch it if it's a good story. Yeah. Uh, there are going to be some people that'll be like that. And for that reason, I still think Empire Strikes Back is the best story. But but my argument is the only reason Empire Strikes Back is so good is because you've already watched Star Wars New Hope and you know what the char- who the characters are. If, you, if, yeah, you're gonna show the, if that's going to be the first movie you show somebody, they're going to say, who are these people? I don't fucking know who any of these people are. But to- if you show them The Force Awakens, you, they're getting introduced to this new set of characters. Some of them do. Like, to an extent, yeah, but Luke Skywalker barely gets mentioned, so uh, he's spoken about, but you don't know anything about who likes, who Luke Skywalker yeah, but, is. but the older characters aren't the main characters in there, they're, it's the new ones. Yeah, I know, but I mean, if they watched, if they watched The Force Awakens, yeah. The Force Awakens, yeah. and they liked it for the reasons that you've mentioned, that the CGI is better and it looks more like a modern film, I don't know that that's necessarily going to allay any issues about A New Hope being old-fashioned, because they go back and watch A New Hope, and suddenly it's outside of Han... They don't recognise anybody anymore, so they they still have to make that mental leap to go, all right, I'm going to commit to this despite the fact that it looks old-fashioned. I just think that audiences, particularly if if Nicola had never seen Star Wars, and she watched the old ones because Nicola's got an open mind, she'll watch anything. She actually turned to me halfway through the movie and said, this movie's fucking epic Hmm. when we're watching Force Awakens. And she wasn't just saying it because she wanted like sex later on. Yeah. She just said to me, she goes, this is hilarious, this movie. Like She found it really funny. She goes, the old ones aren't funny like this. That's what she said to me. Yeah. Which I think is what's so much more appealing for the the Force Awakens compared to the old ones is that it's genuinely funny. I don't laugh out loud that much watching the old movies. But I laughed out loud shitloads of times during this. Yeah. And I think that's just it's got much more mainstream appeal than the old movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you in that regard that it probably yeah. does have more mainstream appeal. All I meant was you were saying to get someone into the whole Star Wars franchise, show them this and then go, I don't know that showing them this would then help them go back and watch the old ones and enjoy them. Oh, okay. Now that, that was all I was trying to say. They, they wouldn't think... be interested in watching it. Exactly. There's no need to. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that finally in my lifetime a Star Wars movie has came out that I'm happy and I'm willing to watch with people. And yeah. Show that, people. I'm not embarrassed by it. That is huge. It's, it's a phenomenal achievement in that regard that the one of, if not the primary goal that this movie needed to have was to undo the prequels. Yeah. And it did. It did so by not giving them shit. It just didn't reference them. Yeah, like, which is what you need to do. Because JJ hinted, oh yeah, there's going to be um, Jar Jar Skeleton in the um, oh, in the yeah. desert. Just stuff like that. But obviously, yeah. it, it would have been funny, but it didn't need to be. You know? Yeah. It's just, I'm glad that now we can finally move on from the prequels. Yeah. Because a lot of people, guys from work particularly, who have never seen Star Wars, said, oh yeah, I watched that Phantom Menace on TV. It was shit house. And I was like, oh, don't watch the prequels. Dog, that, yeah. That's, you're going to hate Star Wars. You know what would have been an issue with the Jar Jar joke is that it would have been a joke that only works if the movie exists in a universe where it knows that it's a movie. So, what I mean by that is, again, I use Jurassic World as an example. There's a scene yeah. in that where a guy's wearing a Jurassic Park t-shirt and he's like, you know, that, that was the OG park or whatever it was. Now, that only 
only works if you're a fan of the movie because in the universe that Jurassic World is supposed to inhabit, no one should know about Jurassic Park. It's like, to have never existed, exactly. Exactly. And if they do know about it, they're only going to know about the fact that it was a massive clusterfuck and that everyone died. Yep. So, there's no way that anyone is wearing that shirt and buying it on eBay and that sort of stuff without knowing that it was a movie and it's a, a joke purely for the audience. Um, oh, no, not, not knowing it's it was a movie, al- but because that was the actual logo of the park. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's almost the it's almost the equivalent of looking into the camera and winking at everybody. Yeah, which I don't like in a big blockbuster. Like, yeah. unless the whole movie is the point of doing that, then yeah. it shouldn't happen. Do, do they? I can't quite remember. But in Jurassic World, do they explain that Jurassic Park existed and they've fixed the problems that why Jurassic Park didn't work, and that's why Jurassic World will? Uh, I, look, the, there's probably a moment where the CEO talks about it or something. Okay, I don't yeah. remember specifically. I just remember walking out of Jurassic World being disappointed. Look, I didn't mind. How, how you feel about Star Wars is how I felt about Jurassic World. I didn't yeah. not like it, but I was like, eh. I, I think I think probably was, how I feel about Jurassic World as well. I walked it was, out. And it was again, the exact and same movie as Jurassic Park. I've walked past it a few times on at at different stores. I'm like, oh, look, there are a couple moments that were kind of cool, but overall, is there enough story for me to watch it again? Probably not. No, I, I'd go. Star Wars slightly above Jurassic World. I think if you Jurassic World has a whole bunch of shit that if you really start throwing stones at it, it falls to pieces. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Didn't. But but I think Star Wars just yeah, it's just overall more action, more comedy. It's just it's more appealing. I yeah. think. Uh, but anyway, so get back to Jar Jar. That that joke would have been that same thing. It, that it's only exists in that movie by acknowledging to people. Yet yeah, we know that we made some shit movies, and here's one of them. Yeah. Like it. So I'm glad that they didn't do it. It would have been yeah. too kitschy. So overall. Star Wars, Force Awakens, I think... Dando loved it. I liked it. Yeah, cons- but considering what its goals were, a success. It did. Was It's done exactly what it was set out to do. Certainly did everything that it needed to do. Yeah. It, it's made people want to watch more Star Wars yeah. movies, which is exactly what Disney wanted. It's not <laughs> going to be my top 10 films for the year list, but it, it was a good movie and What have been your top it. 10 blockbuster movies for the year? Uh, top 10 movies, I said, overall. But um, would you put it in top 10 blockbusters? Yeah, probably, but I don't know it's been a great year for blockbusters. There's been a lot of them and they've all made a fuck ton of money, but I don't know that they've See, Avengers been- 2. Yeah. Yeah, again, I walked out of Avengers 2 and I was like, well, you know, that's not all right. Like, I have no interest in watching the next one, even. Yeah, like I still really like the bi- the interplay between those guys, but again, they've run out of things to show me. Like, my favourite of all of the movies will always be and still is the first Iron Man, because it was the one that took me by surprise. And no one expected it to be good. Yeah, and yeah. then the second, my second favourite is the first Thor, because it went... It was in a completely different world with the, you know, they got classically trained actors and people that he, uh, Kenneth Branagh is directing, who's normally doing fucking Shakespeare, and gave it all this otherworldly quality that, again, you hadn't seen in a blockbuster before. Yeah. Uh, and they're just, yeah, I, I need to keep seeing stuff that I haven't seen. Otherwise, what's the point of going to movies? Yeah. For me, Star Wars, I went in wanting to see a movie that made me fall in love with Star Wars again. And it's exactly what it did. So for me, I loved it. No, I, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but again, what I was just saying then about trying to see new things. So take it back to Batman and how what Batman did well and what Spider-Man do really, really badly and what Man of Steel did really badly. Batman begins brilliant because he saw the origin story of Bruce Wayne. You'd never seen that before. You never saw how he got from A to B. It's like, you know, Jesus. He was born and then 25 years later, he's Jesus. That was always what Batman yeah. was. What people made the mistake of, what a lot of studios made the mistake of, is going, oh, people love origin stories. Oh. We don't. We just love seeing stuff we haven't seen before. So, I don't need to see Peter Parker become Spider-Man for the third fucking time, which they're planning on rebooting again. Mm. I don't need to see Superman become Superman again and his journey from being Clark into Superman because it's been done and it was done perfectly. Like, Fantastic when it's been, Four again, the recent one. Yeah, exactly. When it's been done once, that's it. Like, just the issue as well with Fantastic Four, they set it up. It's a crap movie. It's not, uh, It did really bad business. It's not going to go again. So, for... 
fans of Fantastic Four, they don't get to see a good Fantastic Four story. They just get to see the story they've already seen. I think audiences are sophisticated enough that even if you're changing the actors, you can just go, here's our pre-established characters. You know who they are. They're going to go fight this guy. Like That's and what Empire Strikes Back is. Exactly. Take it in directions that you haven't gone with before. You don't need to keep rejigging it. That's why I'm excited for the new Star Wars because I feel like it's going to be like Empire. The characters are established now. This movie needed to appeal to the, the old school fans yeah. whilst keeping new fans or drawing in new fans. Drawing in new ones. Appeal to both generations, you know, the old and the new. I think with the new one, it's going to get away from the Star Wars that we know and become yeah. its own identity. Actually, the one thing I'll give it credit for, as for doing something that I hadn't seen before, or, or nodding to things that I had seen in a really, really good way, was the... What were the animals that Han was trying to smuggle? Rantha? Weird, Ranthas, yeah, weird yeah. fucking octopus things with a big mouth and a ball. That was a really tense sequence. Very, very well done. There was a sweet little nod to Alien as well when she's watching him um, being chased on the monitors. Yeah, and then she pushes and the door. And then yeah. the door. Like, that was really, really well done. That was the moment for me that, that I was like, oh, hello, like... Now I feel like I've, I'm watching something I haven't seen. You know, I'm in a different area, whereas X-Wing's flying around and trying to hit an uh, external vent. Yeah, you know, I've watched that before. Yeah. The other thing I did like, though, X-Wing, I, they're my favourite of all of the fighter pilots. Seen them over the, the water. That, yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. The, yeah. the X-Wings are just the best the, the best plane that they can. TIE Fighter's my favourite. Yeah. I just love the sound. <laughs> I think Chewbacca has some really funny lines in this too, but no, not him, but like when the chicks Real funny him, moments. You, you must be so brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, what was that little bit of byplay between Han? It's like, I always, I talk my way out of it every time. I do so. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, just the little looks that he gives him. Or it's like, I've never lied to you before or something. And they go, yes, you have twice. And he goes, once, two. And Chewbacca goes, yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. That was cool. Or he's like, you're cold. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so here's what I would like to see from the second one. Yep, I want it to be as much as Star Wars is this huge universe. I want it to get a smaller focus. Still have the big world, but it doesn't need to be about the bad guys are going to blow up the entire planet that the good guys are on. I want it to get down to that human level that they've taken off Kylo Ren's mask, so they've established him as being a human. We're now going to get Luke. I want there to be this serious fucking human battle between these guys. That where the stakes as far as the amount of physical damage and destruction caused can be lower, but I want the emotional damage and destruction potential to be right up there and get this really fucking fierce battle between those three people. I, I guess Snoke or whatever his name is is going to become That's the one thing I more didn't into like. it. I thought he looked a bit stupid. Did you know they had Andy Circus for that? Yeah. They got the best mocap guy in the business and all he did was sit down for the entire time. Like yeah. That could have been anybody. But yeah, so I, I guess they're going to be doing stuff with that. But I just want it to be... We need to know more about what the First Order's goals are, for one thing, because it's kind of vague in this movie. They just they want to find Luke Skywalker, obviously, but outside of that, what are they trying to do? Yeah. So, we need to like get some of that machination going on in the background, but at the heart of it all, I just really want the intense confrontation between Master and Apprentice, who is now turned to the dark side. So, do you think we're going to have a Luke-Kylo Ren battle in the next one? I hope so. Yeah. Otherwise, why have you got Mark Hamill there? Yeah, he has to do something, doesn't he? Yeah. I think they're going to save the next Ray Kylo Ren battle for the third one. They gave you a tease in this one. Yeah. You know who um, Ray is to me in this movie, by the way? She's Jean from X-Men 2. It's got that thing of like, even the master is sort of going to be, she has more power than anybody. Yeah. Um, and it'll be really fun watching her. The other thing that she was, and this is a real throwback to people, you know, you were talking about how people like me mentioning obscure movies. She's Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. Like, there's that moment where she, Kylo Ren says that she's only beginning to 
understand her power. The the, the more time she's out there, the more dangerous she'll be. If you see Firestarter, it's about this little girl that can incinerate shit with her mind. And that's exactly what happened. Like, she's walking around. Oh, when she's young, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's walking around learning this shit as she goes along. And that's going to be fucking cool to watch in in the next... That has to be the next episode, I think. And then by episode three... Well, sorry. Episode eight. And then by episode nine, she's going to be dominant. She needs to be the dominant force by that. Reminds me of, you know, the kid, it came out a couple of years ago. Three kids find like a meteor or something, and they get special powers. One kid can move shit with his uh, mind. Yeah, yeah, uh, Chronicle. Chronicle, yeah, it's similar to that. The longer he went on, the more powerful you realize he could be until he just destroyed himself. Yeah. So it's similar to that, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, so Force Awakens, I liked it. <laughs> so, All right, guys, well, I'm uh, exhausted. I'm going to, we are pretty tired. We've been recording for a long time today. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope, thank you for sticking around for this much time. I hope that if you did, that you heeded our warnings beforehand and that we haven't spoiled anything for you. If we have spoiled anything for you, you're an idiot. We, we, gave, you, <laughs> we gave you so much chance to get away, but whatever. Uh, have a fantastic Christmas. Have a safe holidays. We'll be back in the new year and uh, look forward to talking to you guys then. Keep your messages coming through. Obviously, we'll still be answering all of that sort of stuff as we go along. Enjoy your family. Enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. And thank you very much for your support throughout the last six months. Have a good one, guys. Catch you later. Shh.